Season 5, Episode 8, The Faith of Queen Elizabeth with Dudley Delfs. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Millennial Homemakers Podcast, your resource for all things home, hostessing, and more. We're your hosts, Jackie Alexander and Jacqueline Humble. Welcome or welcome back to the Millennial Homemakers Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we have a, another author on from Zondervan, and we just love our relationship with their publisher. Um, and today's author is a little bit different because it is about, not about, the book is not about the author themselves. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is the first time we've had that, which made the interviews, I feel like, different than what we usually have. And I mean... I would love to interview the person who the book was about, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think many reporters, especially not podcasters, get the opportunity to interview Queen Elizabeth. But Um, especially (laughs) since the author of this book couldn't even do it for the book. Yes, that's very true. Um, But it is a great book. It's The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, The Poise, Grace, and Quiet Strength Behind the Crown. And it is no secret that Jackie and I both have a fascination with the British royal family uh, starting from our moms kind of gave it to us and just kind of generational I guess I don't know (laughs) yeah it just kind of grew and especially in the past couple years I think since Prince Harry and Prince William are not that much older than us seeing their lives and their marriages it kind of just launched it into an even bigger, at least for me, an even bigger fascination. I agree. And something about um, homemaking and all the things that we talk about in the podcast definitely have to do with personal style, have to do with traditions, have to do with cooking, parties, all these things that the monarchy just does so well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and something that you can kind of take away. Like we love the fashion, especially of the Brits. So this was a fun, a fun one. So a little bit about the book. Um, it is by Dudley Delft. And also it's only the second mail that we've had on the podcast. <laughs> um, so the book, uh, I'll read the back cover because we thought that was a good description. Icon, matriarch, reformer, and the longest reigning monarch in British history, Queen Elizabeth II intrigues millions around the world with her royal heritage, inspirational character, and profound faith, especially as depicted in award-winning films such as The Queen and wildly popular Netflix series The Crown, which is our favorite. (laughs) And directed by the same person that did The Queen, apparently. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he talked about it like... briefly in the book like he mentioned it and it stuck with me oh okay a reign that bridges the 20th and 21st centuries queen elizabeth has become the definition of stability faithfulness and dignity fearlessly she led her country into the modern age with a balance of historical tradition and entrepreneurial initiative public service and private devotion nearly seven decades on the throne the queen has faced many personal and public storms and early and surprising ascension to the throne the dissolution of the British Empire, political upheavals, international crises, national tragedies, family deaths, and the tabloid travails of her children and grandchildren. But throughout all her trials and triumphs, Her Majesty credits her personal faith in Jesus Christ as the steadying anchor to her life and reign. 
In this spiritual biography, Dudley Delfs unpacks the secret behind Her Majesty's personal devotion and public service, giving you a fuller, richer picture of the woman who has led a nation with unwavering faith and resolve. Um, we think, so I greatly enjoyed this book. It is, um, so Dudley Delves is a PhD and at some points it's written like that. Like, um, very it's scholarly. very, right. It's very rich. He ends and Dudley, we talk about this with Dudley near the end of our interview, but he ends every chapter with a personal story, a personal conversation that he had with a UK citizen while he was researching this book, which is very interesting. Um, but we think this would be a great Christmas gift for anyone in your life that is either, you know, just intrigued by the whole British family the or the whole British monarchy or has a very um, deep spiritual faith and wants to see how that shows in, in people in power. Yeah, and I liked this too because I liked how the back said that it was a spiritual biography. It, it, it touched on her life story in a different way than you can get from a lot of other books. And he also has written a book about um, Dolly Parton. Dudley Delft's PhD is an award-winning writer of both fiction and nonfiction, a lifelong Anglophile and descendant of King James I, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Dudley lives in Swanee, Tennessee, which is really close to me, <laughs> with his wife. His most recent book is The Faith of Dolly Parton, Follow along with Dudley at DudleyDelfs.com. And we talk a little bit about Dolly Parton and Queen Elizabeth and kind of contrasting their two mm -hmm. faiths and uh, just what the faith that they've had in their life has impacted um, their celebrity. So we hope that y'all enjoy this. We, we love all things Brit, especially with the crown just coming out absolutely so we thought that this would be a fun episode for you to listen to while traveling for thanksgiving and something else just one more this is i guess an interview of first for us um, because it is not about the author but it's also the first book that we're releasing this interview before the book is yeah. released it will be out december 3rd on amazon or wherever books are sold like we said, great Christmas present for a grandmother, a mom, an aunt, someone in your life, or a friend, someone. <laughs> <laughs> but I just know that that she just um, anyone who respects uh, Queen Elizabeth, and I know mm -hmm. that she has a lot of fans out there. So absolutely, it's a great book. All right, well, I hope y'all enjoy the interview. Hello, Dudley. Welcome to our podcast. We are so happy to have you on and how timely that it is around the release of The Crown season three, one of our favorite Netflix shows. And we have had an obsession with the royal family or not obsession, maybe fascination. Both of us have individually. And then with our podcast, we've gotten quite the listenership in the UK, which has like only increased our kind of fascination. So um, we are here today to talk about your new book, The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, who Queen Elizabeth is my personal um, favorite member of the royal family. Mine too. Yes. Thank you so much for, for having me, you know, on your podcast and uh i've started watching the new season of the crown about halfway through it and really enjoying that so uh yeah i also really admire her majesty the queen and consider her kind of a personal hero yeah absolutely i do too whenever someone asks like who you'd want to get 
lunch, dinner, coffee, tea, whatever with, it's always Queen Elizabeth is my answer. So... We should be so lucky. Let's hope that happens. Absolutely. Uh, So let's jump right in. So we are mostly going to talk about your book that's coming out on December 3rd, The Faith of Queen Elizabeth. But before we get into that, you previously wrote a book called The Faith of Dolly Parton. And on the surface, those seem like two very different women. So is there a reason that you were drawn to both these women besides the fact that Queen Elizabeth is one of your your heroes and someone you want to have lunch with? Yes, that's quite a jump. And, you know, I'm sure there are all kinds of jokes or punchlines there. But, uh, you know, going from the Queen of Country Music to the Queen of England um, was, on the surface, a fairly dramatic jump. Um, But honestly, I found more in common, you know, as I began doing the research on uh, Queen Elizabeth. Um, Both women really are personal heroes. I mean, you know, in, in the Dolly book, I explored the way Dolly had been a kind of presence, you know, from a distance throughout my life, growing up in the South and Tennessee, um, just at various intervals, the way um, her music and her her life and her influence um, had an impact on me. And then uh, similarly, as I began thinking of other heroes of the faith who one might not expect, um, Queen Elizabeth came to mind um, just because her faith has always been front and center but yet that's usually not what most people think of first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or we might think that it's not truly her personal faith and only sh- because she serves as the head of the queen, uh, the head of the church of England that she has to give this off. Um, and it's only when you dive deeper that you realize that it is something that she embraces herself. Yes, absolutely. That, that's it. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's part of her role, right? You know, she is mm-hmm. head of the church and defender of the faith. And so I I think it would be easy to just kind of make that ceremonial and, you know, give a nod to tradition. But if you look at her life, I mean, she has been very engaged and, you know, very personally supportive and involved in a number of ministries and nonprofits and charities, not just as their patron, but as someone who truly believes in their mission. Um, That coupled with, you know, just her references um, often in her annual Christmas broadcast, um, as well as her behavior. I, I think, you know, there's definitely a faith there as, as I see it. I agree. Going back to Dolly, did you have any, besides their faith, any surprising similarities between the Queen of Country Music and the Queen of England? <laughs> you know, there really are a lot of similarities, more than I expected. I, I think, you know, both of them are these you know, uh, superstar, iconic, larger than life personalities known around the world. And of course, you know, they are known for very different things and yet their accomplishments are, are both phenomenal in their respective fields. Um, and yet within the midst of those accomplishments and these careers that span decades, each of them has always included their faith in very direct and simple terms and they followed through in their behavior, whether that's, you know, uh, donating money to uh, scholarship funds and people who lose homes to wildfires like Dolly or, or whether that's. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or whether that's, you know, the queen reaching out to individuals who have suffered a, a loss of some kind. I mean, they really they really do have this authentic uh comfortability with themselves and with their faith and and who they are and the roles they play 
And I, yeah, I think there are more parallels there than than you might first think. That's very interesting and very surprising because it's not something I would have ever thought that those two women would have very much in common at all, besides maybe notoriety or popularity or things like that. And right, also yeah. being a tennis being a Tennessean myself and Dudley, before we hit uh, record, we were bonding over the fact that we are close in Tennessee. Um, and I've seen that. I didn't realize what the impact that Dolly had on the state until I moved here and until the wildfires happened. And I was hearing yeah. all these wonderful things. And I knew like that Dollywood was a thing, but I kind of just thought it was like a Myrtle Beach cheesy theme park. But really the jobs that she provides and just her, her impact on the community, I've seen firsthand. So um, yeah. I definitely would agree with that. And I, I think that we see eye to eye on that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. One other quick thing I'll mention that the two have in common, you know, I think, I think both of them have uh, rather wicked senses of humor and, you know, they're, they're <laughs> great at coming up with some one liners. Um, and, and yet I think both of them always choose the high road when dealing with critics or, you know, haters or people who are perhaps being uh, less than respectful to, to them or what they're standing for. Uh, so throughout your new book, um, you talk about how the queen is authentically herself in the way she dresses, carries herself and acts. And do you think this is impacted by her faith or is it vice versa? Or how, how is that influenced um, by her personal faith instead of just her celebrity? Yes, I think they do affect one another. I, in some ways, I think her faith has you know, been the catalyst or been the glue, if you will, that has enabled her to maintain uh, a sense of who she is as a person, an individual, uh, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, um, and not just, you know, the head of state, the sovereign, the monarch. So I, I think that that faith has been one of the few things in her life that may have provided a bit of, of freedom or liberty. Um, and again, it's very private, very personal. Um, you know, it, it's always funny. I did some research um, in the United Kingdom last year for the book. And one of the first questions I often got was, why are you writing about the faith of Queen Elizabeth? That's such an American thing to do. But, uh, you know, they, they <laughs> view her faith as, as part of who she is, part of her character and her personality. That's very interesting, especially because I would think, again, that they would just see she's the head of the church. This is what she's supposed to do and not think about it at all. And that might be why they were surprised that you were writing about it because that you were diving into it and, and um, you thought of her as more than just the head of the church. Yes. And I think many of them quickly warmed up to looking at her faith in terms of it being very personal um, or even private mm -hmm. and the way that she has demonstrated it. And, you know, the way it's manifest itself across the almost seven decades now of her historic reign. For sure. Many Americans, including us, obviously, are enamored <laughs> with the British royal family, but it can be difficult to truly understand the Queen's role. So how did your view and understanding of the monarchy change as you researched and wrote your book? My understanding of the, the monarchy was probably similar to, I think, you know, most of Americans view of it. Um, you know, I, I mm -hmm. found it intriguing. Uh, you know, it, it certainly seems more historical than particularly um, relevant, perhaps to a democratic form of government today and so forth. But honestly, the more research I did and the more historical exploration, 
the more appreciation I had for the way Queen Elizabeth has reigned as sovereign Mm -hmm. because it's an impossible role. I mean, it really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we can certainly talk about the the privilege and the wealth and the the status and all the benefits, but in terms of expectations, it's a crazy impossible job. I mean, you know, as she often says, and we see this in the crown quite a bit, you know, her job is to do nothing. Her job is to remain impartial and yet to provide a kind mm-hmm. of stability and security for all her subjects. I think it's interesting, too, in The Crown, although it is her job to do nothing and more just act as an advisor role a lot of times to her prime minister, she does have a very active role, or it seems like she has a very active role, um, even if we don't see it on the surface. Oh, yes. I mean, how can she not? Because she is... Mm-hmm. A human being. And of course, you know, she has this unique vantage point that no one else has. And of course, that does carry this burden of responsibility with it, which she, I think, has has wielded very responsibly. You know, she's always tried to serve and never made it about her own celebrity or her own ego. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we see with some of the other royal members, that's not necessarily, you know, always the, the case. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So with the third season of The Crown having just released, um, as we've talked about, it proves just how fascinated Americans are with the British royal family. And I mean, The Crown's not the only one. There's just so many shows and movies and documentaries out, especially in the past couple of years. It feels yeah, like. Meghan Markle has increased that. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely>. Yes. <laughs> good, good and bad ways, I guess, or whichever one you want to look at it. But do you... Th- why do you think that we as a country seem to be so fascinated by the queen and the royal family? You know, I think they are a kind of blank canvas and we can use them to project, you know, kind of our imagined best lives, if you will. I mean, honestly, you know, they, they kind of tap into the things we learn as, as kids, you know, fairy tales and, mm-hmm. and stories and myths and, you know, the king and the queen and the prince and the princess and all of these things. I think, you know, there's some kind of, of association there. Um, but then, you know, the tension between these roles, which seem rather prescribed and traditional and, you know, very rigid at times, And yet seeing glimmers of their personality or sometimes more than a glimmer, you know, seeing tension, seeing conflict and certainly, you know, with her children um, and their various divorces and marriages and relationships, you know, we, we see the way that those manifest themselves. People are still people no matter what their royal title might be. I think that's hard maybe for us to see because they do seem like celebrities for us, that they are just people and they do have their own lies and their own pressures and insecurities um, and drama that we don't see behind the scenes. Yes, no, exactly. I mean, again, you know, I think the Royal family and the queen, you know, they, they kind of end up being all things to all people. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's difficult mm-hmm. to remember the human being in there sometimes. And and you're right, mm-hmm. even with all the, the privileges and, and wealth and celebrity, you know, she still has issues with her children, even when they're adults. Um, you mm-hmm. know, someone, you know, now in middle age with young adult children, somehow that comforts me to know that, you know, her life <laughs> is no more problem free than ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in the U.S., we tend to 
be firm believers in the separation of church and state. On the other side of the pond, Britain's Mardark is the head of the Church of England, like we've been saying. How do you believe that those views impact religion in each country? That is a great question, because I would often notice the way you have these two, you know, almost these two inverted paradigms. And yeah, just, you know, thinking about the way that um, our country was so determined to, you know, prevent a monarchy and to prevent having a, you know, totalitarian kind of leader who, uh, you know, controlled everything. Um, And on the other hand, you know, um, Great Britain, United Kingdom has had a monarch and yet, you know, she's worked so hard to stand back, you know, to be hands off, to mm-hmm. simply carry out the wishes mm-hmm. of the people in, in her democracy. And then you lay this layer of the church and religion on top of that. I just think it's it's fascinating. And honestly, it's, it's like two, you know, two uh, centuries long experiments that are still ongoing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I honestly am not quite sure, you know, what conclusions to draw uh, by comparing them, but but we certainly see some interesting differences. And I mean, obviously, because America was founded, because people were f- fleeing religious persecution, that probably adds to why we believe so strongly as a, on a whole for the separation. So it's it's just very interesting that Britain is still holding on to this, even though you know the Queen is very private in her own own faith. So she's not necessarily promoting the church all the time. Well, and I think it also says a lot about her as a person, because Mm -hmm. so many people use, they can use religion and Christianity um, as uh, something negative and as a control aspect. And so the queen really, with her being such a strong Christian herself and not using religion as a tool, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. against the people and using it for the people, I think, um, that's why they've been able to have a have a have a state religion, right? And I think it's interesting. I don't know if that too. made sense, but <laughs> no, it, it, it does make sense. You know, I think it's interesting too that in many ways in our country, you know, religion has become politicized and you know used uh-huh. in different ways, and and you know it gets mm-hmm. it gets complicated rather quickly. And yet, in the United Kingdom. You know, as you said, you, you, you seem to have kind of this uh, combination or conflation of, of the Church of England with the government, with the monarch. And, and yet, you know, I, I may be very wrong, but it appears that they do not have the same kind of, you know, political um, leverage with religion, at mm-hmm. least yes. you know, directly in their politics. And again, I may be very misinformed, but that's just the way I, I've, I've seen it so far. Absolutely. I agree. And because we do have a fairly large UK listener, listenership, we'll have to, when we post this episode, ask the UK citizens if if you're right on that assumption or if it's just something that is maybe hidden from people outside of the UK. Yeah, right. No, that and would you be definitely, mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely phrased that more eloquently than I did. So appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know about that. So this question is purely hypothetical, but if the monarchy were ever to collapse, um, what do you see happening to the Church of England? Oh, wow. And that, you know, is, you know, I mean, change is inevitable. We know that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, something I definitely encountered as I, I interviewed, you know, both experts as well as just different UK citizens 
I mean, I think everyone is, is rather fearful and a bit anxious thinking about Her Majesty the Queen passing at some point mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, and the changes that that will bring. Um, you know, I think, as I, I, you know, I don't see her role. I don't see the role of the monarch being head of the church and defender of the faith changing per se. But again, you know, who knows how those roles may continue to change and evolve. Um, If the monarch were no longer head of the Church of England, that's really fascinating. I I honestly don't know what that might look like. Um, I mean, on one hand, perhaps it would continue to uh, decline in terms of its, you know, um, membership and the perception of its relevancy for, you know, for so many people. Very possible. And it, I mean, it is hard to think what that could look like because the monarch's been the head of the church of England since at least Henry the eighth, I think, was he the one that. Oh yes. Um, separate it from, from the Catholic church. Um, yeah. And who knows, since most of, most people in the UK have grown up only knowing Queen Elizabeth as the monarch. And so if Charles, Prince Charles ever becomes King, who knows what, what it will look like for him. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and again, how his own um, spirituality or sense of faith might shape that role. Yes. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So while visiting the UK, you spoke with citizens about their view of Queen Elizabeth and her faith. Can you share one of those stories and how it impacted your thoughts and research? And if you have more than one, you can share as many as you'd like. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, that really was, you know, one of those incidental things that I just enjoyed doing. And yet those mm-hmm. conversations ended up being um, quite memorable and quite germane to the chapters as I was writing the book. And so, of course, that's kind of how I ended up closing each chapter is by, you know, uh, including or summarizing one of these conversations I had with with just average citizens there. Um, I think one of my favorite was with a, a young man on a train out of London headed, headed north, northwest toward Manchester. And he was going home to visit his, his wife and very young children. He'd been working in, in London uh, there in the South. And um, as we chatted, it, it turned out that he was from Northern Ireland and certainly you know, mm. all the history. There's the, a lot of, Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. You know, just the tensions and the, the, uh, the animosity and yeah, just so much history there and, and, uh, the conflict and so on. And, um, but as we chatted, he, he talked about the way his views had changed after becoming a father, becoming a parent that he almost longed for, mm you know, some of the comforting faith that he associated with his grandparents. Um, and he said that, you know, her majesty mm-hmm. the queen would be slightly older than, than his grandparents, but, but of the same generation, most likely. And there was something about their values and their way of facing adversity that he really admired because, you know, he said, it's such a scary world. And you think about, you know, your children and, and bringing them into it and trying to help them navigate all that we have today. And, and he was longing for that kind of stability and security that he associated with Her Majesty the Queen. And, you know, I, just his ability to kind of articulate that, you know, on the fly with a stranger on a train um, just really impressed me. And I, 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 you know, 
one of the issues, of course, is that culturally, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of Brits aren't keen to to talk necessarily about their feelings and and so forth. But uh, he was willing to open up a bit, and it was it was really quite touching. That was one of my favorite stories, and and the book as a whole is fantastic, and I enjoyed learning so much about the Queen. But you end it every chapter with one of those stories, and that was so moving to me because it was is real people conveying their thoughts to you. And like you said, like you're a stranger um, and they were willing to open up in so many unique and, and very interesting ways. Yes. Yes. You know, and they really do all stand out to me. Another one that, that, that was very different, but you know, stays with me is, is when I, uh, I ended up having lunch with sort of a friend of a friend. And this was a, you know, um, a working class mom who had kind of, you know, uh, risen in ranks and become quite a professional, very well respected in her career. And she was talking about what it's like to have Queen Elizabeth as a, a kind of role model, uh, you know, as a strong mm-hmm. woman who, you know, never compromised her her strengths and convictions, uh, nor did she compromise her, her femininity or her personhood as a woman. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that impressed me because, you know, obviously she's had barriers to overcome as we, as we all have, but that she genuinely mm-hmm. has drawn inspiration and strength from the Queen's example um, was very refreshing, was very encouraging. So before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or what do you want your readers to take away from your book? You know, I think I would love it if, people came away with perhaps a different perception of Her Majesty the Queen. Um, certainly, you know, a little more depth below the surface of, of circumstances and, and the popular perception they may have. But I would love it as well if they would take away um, a willingness to look at their own lives and their own faith and, you know, think about what it means for our faith to just simply be part of who we are and whatever role whatever purpose we're called to, whatever family we're in. And, and you know, that it doesn't have to be this separate, um, you know, part of us that we segregate or only drag out at holidays or special events or, or whatever the case might be. So, again, just seeing the Queen's example, uh, again, like Dolly's, as we mentioned, um, almost, you know, showing mm-hmm. us what it looks like uh, for a lifetime to just incorporate, um, you know, the Christian faith in in very practical and meaningful ways. Absolutely. And I think especially for all three of us being in the Bible Belt, we're used to, it's expected to go to church every Sunday. It's not strange to say, oh, I can't, I have to go to Bible study or things like that. But to actually live it is a whole new level that the queen, queen doesn't shy away from. And she, from your book, you know, is very clear. It, it put things in a new light for me. Um, and definitely made me see the queen in a new light and especially her faith. Great. And to have it be, yeah, to be able to recognize that without having it to be plastered, you know, Mm -hmm. all over the place and have it just be something subtle um, and this grace and the poise um, Mm -hmm. behind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I was chatting with another friend recently and he was commenting on the differences that, you know, sometimes we have, with um, what he called professional Christians, but, you know, people who either because of their role or their ministry or platform, you know, that's kind of front and center. Or, you know, he also mentioned 
um, celebrities who often, you know, um, incorporate their faith in a very dramatic and to use his word, theatrical way. Um, you know, that, how that contrasts, uh, how that compares with, with, as you said, the more subtle, natural, authentic way that Queen Elizabeth has lived her life and reigned for almost seven decades. Well, thank you for being on Dudley. And where can our readers, or not our readers, (laughs) our listeners, and hopefully your readers, uh, where can they find you off air? So what's your website? How can they connect with you and see more books that you have coming out? Sure. Yeah, no. Hopefully, uh, right? right. Yeah, it's DudleyDelfs.com, D-U-D-L-E-Y-D-E-L. FFS, Foxtrot, Foxtrot Sierra, DudleyDelf.com. All those F's and S's are standing alike, so I've learned to always spell it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we'll make sure to also just have that link straight in the show notes. For sure. Easy. Greatly enjoyed. And uh, we, we loved your book. And so we're, we're thrilled to share it with our listeners. Thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the interview. And as always, um, if you liked this episode or have any suggestions for episode topics in the future, you can leave us a review on the iTunes store or you can join our Facebook group. Well, and not more. <laughs> and the Facebook group is the Millennial Homemakers on Facebook. And you can follow us. You can follow Jacqueline on Instagram at Jacqueline Humble. And I am at JV Alexander 16. And you can find the podcast at The Millennial Homemakers. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that y'all have a great holiday and stay tuned for some fun Christmas content.